Welcome to the Healthcare Business Secrets Show, where we interview industry leaders and break down exactly how they're dominating their markets so you can learn from the best and can double your revenue, double your impact, and double your time off. In this episode, we're talking with Adi Kazu. Adi is a national level weightlifter, mother, and founder and CEO of Working Against Gravity. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I like that. Double your time off. Yeah, that's the biggest part of this is not just how do we get busier, but how do we actually live our lives? Because too many of us get hooked into like, doing something, I'm feeling accomplished, I'm building something, and then we just keep kind of going and lose track of life. And then we look back and think, yeah, I probably wouldn't have wished to work harder, but how do I find balance? So how do you talk, talk us about your background? I want to know a bit more about you and I want our listeners to know a bit about you as well. Yeah. So uh, my background, I'm Canadian, currently living in Austin, Texas. And my background, I growing up in Toronto, Canada, I played every single sport you can possibly imagine including as obscure as a bobsled all the way to my most competitive was in weightlifting. And when I went to school, I did psychology and then I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher and I did a master's in teaching. And I really just like love the idea still of being a kindergarten teacher. I have a four, just over four month old and I like love all things like children And at that time, I was taking a year off to try and take my athletic career as far as possible. And in that period of time, I was playing with different weight classes and weightlifting. And I dropped down a weight class and got stronger at the same time, which is in 2014, during a time where the main message in strength sports was get bigger to get stronger. And I was getting smaller and getting stronger. Mm. And so it was kind of novel at the time. And people liked to see that you can look good and perform well at the same time. And so people started asking me for help with their nutrition and I started helping them. And once I got past five people, it kind of took over my life. And that's how I got here now. I have not taught kindergarten since. And maybe maybe one day, maybe when uh, our son is of that age, I'll be like, I think I could do this and start my old school or something like that. (laughs) So talk to us about uh, your business then, Working Against Gravity. Um, What do you do? Who do you work with? uh, And how do you help them? So Working Against Gravity is an online nutrition coaching program. We do everything 100% digital. We don't do video calls or phone calls. It's all through a software that we built called Seismic. Uh, We work with primarily people who are interested in challenges like performers or people, they're not necessarily athletes, but they train like athletes and they treat themselves like athletes. Most predominantly, we coach a lot of the individual CrossFit Games athletes on Mm. the female and male side and have had over eight podium finishers in the past five years at the CrossFit Mm. Games. A couple Olympic athletes. Those are like our highest notable names, but we we also work with their moms and their sisters and their brothers. And we work with my mom. But people, if you like are the kind of person who thinks when someone tells me I can't do something, it's like, watch me, I can definitely do it. Uh, you like a challenge, you like pushing yourself. We work with people of that sort. And then we also train people to become nutrition coaches. So we have oh, wow. a certification to help others become a nutrition coach. And then once they've gone through the certification, they can use our software that we built to start their own nutrition coaching business. So it's kind of like a like a turnkey business route. And you're just doing the nutrition side of things with the name being against gravity. Where did that kind of come from? Just the weightlifting side of things? 
honestly, in retrospect, I would have totally chosen a different name. When I was doing my master's degree, the final project for that program was to create an e-portfolio to apply for teaching jobs. And I knew I wasn't going to be applying for teaching jobs. I knew I was taking a year off. So I asked the professor if I could make a website dedicated to being an athlete instead. Mm. And I wanted it to be Defying Gravity because if anybody knows the play Wicked, there's a song called Defying Gravity. And I feel like weightlifting especially in the snatch and the clean and jerk are kind of defying gravity. It's like, how mm. did that person take the weight from the ground and throw it over their head? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. It was taken, defyinggravity.com was taken. And then I looked up, I was just looking up alternatives and the scientific formula for work against gravity came up. And I mm. remember like the first cover photo on my website was that the actual formula. And so mm. I just made it working against gravity.com. And I was just my professor said, if you're not going to make an e-portfolio for teaching jobs, just make a website documenting being an athlete. And that's what it was. It was not intended to become what it became. Yeah, that makes sense. It's funny because naming things doesn't really matter. Like we've put so much effort into it and things can often be named super random, but they just, it's just normal now. Like my, my house practice is called functional house. And when I think about it, to me, it doesn't maybe even make sense. Like there's context that makes sense, but it seems like an odd name. It's very kind of just like cut off, but people know it now. It's like calling you know, Apple, for example, super random, but we all just know what it is now because there's been an association. And I think it's interesting that you say, I would change it because most of us spend so long on how we name things and how they look and not actually on the stuff that matters, which is getting clients results and the structure behind you know? Yeah. I mean, if you're not a little bit embarrassed about the things that you did at the beginning, you probably waited too long. And yeah. it was just like out there. And it's just a mouthful. Working against gravity. <laughs> <laughs> did it come from most of your experience with the results that you were getting and, and the things that you were seeing? And then you started teaching some people some stuff and then they got some results and you kind of built off it from there. Yeah. When I was 16, I was almost 200 pounds. And I lost 50 pounds myself. So I've been working with nutrition coaches since I was 16. I'm 30. So it was 14 years weekly working with a nutrition coach, pretty much. I still work with a nutrition coach right now. I think a lot of people end up in the business that they need the most often, not always, but often. So I had a lot of experience with a lot of different health professionals in nutrition. And I really was just kind of helping people because they were asking, not, I didn't charge people at the beginning even. Mm. And then I realized I was good at it. Like people were getting results. The first five people had like tremendous results and they were telling all their friends and telling all their friends and kind of just like escalated from there. And now you're in the role of actually teaching people how to have nutritional coaching businesses. Has that come from people asking or did you see a, a niche that you thought this will be easy because I've already done it. I've got a package. What if I just showed people what I'm doing? It's kind of a mixture. I mean, I started in 2014, so it's been six years. And every, I don't know, couple months, somebody sends me an email with a bunch of questions. Like, I'm starting a nutrition coaching business. Can you help like answer these questions for me on how you do X, Y, Z? And I'm an open book. There's no secrets that I'm hiding from anybody. I will answer any question, tell you exactly how we did it, because I know exactly how much work it takes. So if you actually want to take do the work that's required, then kudos. And I'm like totally down. I think that your bigger piece of the pie means my piece of the pie gets bigger too. So that initially started happening. And then we noticed that a lot of our clients would have mega transformations and they would want to pay it forward. So they would start becoming coaches, but we didn't have spots for them on staff. 
So then they would start coaching people in their sphere. And then they'd ask if they could use our software. And Mm. um, we just built our software for our own purposes to be able to scale, to coach more and more people. And it kind of just seemed like a good idea. (laughs) There's this natural progression where you have a problem and then you solve it and then you feel good. And then people ask you how you got results and then you tell them and then you think to yourself, I've got too many of them. I can't keep doing this for free. I have to charge for it. And then you have the problem of, well, I'm doing all this one-to-one, so how do I scale it? It's just a natural progression and people don't get it. Often I get people commenting on my ads, for example, and, and a lot of us get it in the space where we're coaching people on doing something. And they say things like, well, if it worked for you uh, and your business is so great, why are you showing other people and why are you selling this information? And people don't get that it's a matter of scalability. If I help clients in my practice, there's only so far we can, we can go. And even if I'm taking over the world with that, I can take over two worlds. If I go from one niche from helping people get a result to then helping people help people get a result. Yeah, it's interesting. And unless you're there, you just don't get it, but you're wanting to get your gift out. You're wanting to help people more in all aspects. That mindset too is like a place of scarcity. It's like, Mm. there's only so much. So therefore I need to not tell people so they don't take from my pie. It's, Mm. That's not how I live my life. Like my life is completely in abundance. Like there is more than enough. There's too much to go around. I couldn't possibly give too much and then take away from myself. The more I give, the more I get. You're even if you're trying to catch up to me now, you're six years behind. So it's like I'm already thinking about what's next and I'm continuing to mm. grow and you can't like it's impossible. Yeah, there's no your flame is not taking light away from mine. And I don't believe that in that mentality of why would I give away the secrets? There is no secret. Everybody knows how to do everything. Like you have all of the resources and answers within you. You just have to take action and start solving problems as you go. Not even that. All the answers are on Google or YouTube. Someone right. made a video <laughs> about exactly. how to do it. Like you can learn anything, right? It's it's not the knowledge, it's the implementation. And, and I like what you said, like, I'm going to tell you everything because I know how hard it is to get there. And one of my mentors, Gary Vee, says the same thing. It's like, I can tell you everything because 99% of you are not going to do anything with it. And that's the reality. But I think the point I want to make is that if you're listening to this or thinking people are asking me questions about how I'm doing something, that's potentially an opportunity for you and a sidestep in your business. That's what I did. I sidestepped from just being in practice to coaching people. And now I'm teaching them how to grow their businesses and the way that I am currently still growing mine because it gives me fulfillment. I'm not sacrificing. My business runs itself. I set it up to do that. And I focus on where my passion is because when my energy was dwindling in my practice, I was not as good with my clients. Mm -hmm. I was doing them a disservice. And so I had to look at it and say, yes, I spent five years to study this thing. Yes, I've only been in practice for five years, but no, I don't have to keep sticking it out. Like you've got qualifications and things that you're not using. And I think most of us in this game who are doing well do because we just were okay with pivoting into the thing that gave us energy and passion and not clinging to, I have to do it this way. Whether it's like you want to move into a coaching business or you want to just get out of it entirely or uh, even clinging to the techniques that you do. I deal with a lot of people who cling to, for example, they're a nutritionist or a chiropractor or a massage therapist. And it's like, I have to practice this way because this is the thing that I learned and this is how everyone else is doing it versus just going, you know what? I want to change. The first thing I did when I graduated was not do what I was taught. I did it completely differently because I wanted to do the thing that that felt good to me and it gave me energy. And when there's that energy building, you can exchange. Have you ever tried to deal with a client and you're just 
there's no energy in it and they don't listen to you. And then you're like, oh, see, they didn't even, you know, and it's like, it's because of my energy. And when you're passionate, you talk to another client and there's passion there and suddenly they follow all the instructions, they get insane results. It's not the information that matters. It's the application of it. It's the energy around it. For sure. Yeah, totally. So with your business, what's your scale at the moment? Like how many clients you're working with uh, and how are you pivoting it? I promised I would never say it on a podcast ever again, how many clients we work with. We work with thousands. Give me an idea. Yeah. Thousands. Um, And we have 30 coaches and we also have over a hundred businesses that use our software and they have over a thousand clients among them. That's amazing. That's incredible. Do you feel, do you ever sit there and go, wow, created this thing that's actually impacting thousands and thousands (laughs) of lives? Uh, it's more like, how did this happen? Like, what does, it's like, I have no idea how it all happened, but I also do know exactly how it all happened at the same time. (laughs) Like I I feel the same thing with what I do. I don't know how I am where I am, but I know because I can go back through and I can tell people what to do and they'll, they'll repeat it. But it feel when you're in it, because I think most of us think that getting success or getting anywhere is just the step-by-step thing. And then it just appears versus, or, or at least you notice a consistent growth. It's kind of like when you were training, you probably didn't notice how much stronger you were until you realized, hey, I'm throwing kind of heavy weights above my head. And this guy who's twice my size can't even do this. Like, how did I get here? And it's because we're so head down doing the work. And then when you look up, you're like, wow, I've created this massive thing. And people don't understand that about success, that it's compounding. Like I'd done stuff for so long and nothing had happened, right? And then suddenly, bang, it's all there and you look like an overnight success. And it can sometimes feel like that. But in reality, it's the, for me, it was the 10 years before of hustling to get to where I am. That's interesting. Yeah. Did it feel like that for you? I don't know. I think about, it's kind of like what you said, like you don't, you have qualifications that you don't necessarily use. I I have a little bit of a different perspective. I think that everything I did, I use in some way, like you have your, like you did your degree and then you, you, or whatever your qualification was, and then you decided to do it the exact opposite of what you learned. But if you hadn't have learned it that way, maybe you wouldn't have chosen the exact opposite. 100%. It was so necessary. So like though that work does equate to being ready for the opportunity. I, I also feel like when I started this company, like an overwhelming amount of demand was very quick. And I think that's not as common. I think most businesses take some time and it's just, I think that's a little bit uncommon. Like we went from zero to 600 clients in six months. And that's like really fast. I think Mm. maybe I'm off. But I think that's really fast. I think that I don't think it's fast when you clearly know what you're doing in terms of getting clients' results and giving them an experience. Mm-hmm. I think that it's fast when you compare to most people who focused on front end only and not on service delivery and results because it becomes this self-fulfilling snowball, right? Like if you're getting some people results and and clearly you're getting them results because otherwise they wouldn't be telling people at the rate that they are, which allowed you to have the exponential growth. But it makes complete sense based on what you're telling me, because you're driven by that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not it like, how do I really get people fast. in? Yeah. <laughs> it felt very, very fast. <laughs> but you solved the problems that needed to be solved. You, As an example, you couldn't find a software that allowed you to do what you needed to do to scale. And so you built it. Whereas most people try and kind of jimmy things together with duct tape instead of actually just solving problems properly so that other problems don't arise. They become firefighters instead of just going, what problem can I solve that will solve all the problems? And that's clearly what's allowed you to get massive success, right? Tell us about that. What, Because 
I'm in the process of developing a software and it's intense. It's completely a new, a new, new ball game. What made you say, rather than trying to get a bunch of stuff to work together, I'm going to make my own. Well, I was getting a bunch of stuff to work together. So, uh, I, I feel for you in the software world. We are uh, four and a half years in to our own software. It is tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of lines of code. It's a massive undertaking um, mm. and it constantly breaks and there's always new features that we want to develop. And every single feature you think like, oh, it shouldn't be that difficult to make it do that. And then they're like, that's going to take three to six months. And you're just like, what? Type a couple of things. Just do some stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you only think that when you have no idea how to build software. So it's been honestly like a university education for me of computer science. Like it's just so crazy. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But I had, I was, I was piecing things together. So we were coaching over a thousand people just using Gmail. Um, we were using Gmail. Wow. We were using Excel spreadsheets. We were using PayPal and other like payment processor systems that weren't like 100% working for us. It was like working-ish. And I do believe in doing things manual for as long as you can before automating, just because once you've automated something, it's really hard to like unautomate it. Mm. Once you get people into a software, it's really hard to get them out yeah. and maintain them as a customer. Uh, it's like the transitions are really, really difficult. So I'm glad that we did it that way. Like we really tried to do things as manual as possible for very, very long. Um, I had a client that started in 2014 and he was a software developer and he kept emailing me saying, Hey, like you guys have like the same things that your clients do. It would be really easy to just put this into a software. And I was like, I don't think so. I don't know who you are. No, I'm not going to do that. And then we had this document that was our intro document and it was a legitimate Word document. I didn't even convert it to a PDF. It was just all the instructions on how to use our program. It was in a Word document. It had underlines in red when we made a typo, like games with a Z instead of with an S. It's so embarrassing. And he took that document and he turned it into this like beautiful PDF with pictures and stuff without asking me. And he sent it to me and he said, hey, like I know you said no, but check this out. This will even help make stuff better for you. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool that he did that. And now we've been building software for four and a half years. So it just kind of like yeah. piqued my attention. And he built us a website and he's built, uh, he's, his name is Jordan. And he's built that whole side of our business. Wow. That's awesome. I like how, how rugged it was. Really, like Gmail, that's rough. Thousand people with Gmail. Yeah, I mean, it's still feels rugged sometimes, but it really yeah. seriously, when someone says I was a member in 2014 or 2015, I cringe on the inside. Like yeah. my whole <laughs> insides cringe. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I swear we're better. <laughs> what I want everyone listening to understand with this is that it doesn't have to be fancy and we, we get too caught up in making it fancy. You were just doing things that were necessary to solve the problems to get your clients the outcomes and you focused entirely on how do I deliver an amazing service. And that's obvious by the fact that you didn't spend 50 million hours trying to make it look pretty and have 10 clients like most of us do. Instead, you said, what do I need to do to get people results and keep them as clients and keep them happy so that they will deal with your crap of spreadsheets and all the stuff that you're now embarrassed about because yeah. they were there for the value. Like having a client, a customer who's there for the value, 
it's so much better. It's so much easier. You have less problems. And then when you add things, they're just like, wow, this is even better. Like how many people, when you changed across to a software who were there during the spreadsheet days, thought there was this massive value add. And really you were just trying to make your life easier and theirs, but they were like, wow, this is incredible because they were okay with the spreadsheet thing. Yeah, they were there for the value. Definitely. We have people that have been with us since the beginning and they're still even amazed at, mm. oh, wow. It's like the, that we're still trying to make things new and fresh. Mm. And yes. And I think people underestimate early adopters. People love being the first. They love mm. being the first to be at a service. And they're so forgiving at the beginning. Like you're just so forgiving. They know you're new. They know it's the beginning. They're just like so forgiving. You think that they're going to care. And honestly, my ego wanted that people to care. And they just don't really care that much. They're totally okay with it being messy. And mm. you're the mm. one who cares. I see a lot of business owners. I call it trying to solve problems you don't have. Like it's oh, yeah. not a current oh, yeah. problem to make your like your website's beauty at the beginning isn't necessarily the problem that's stopping you from delivering people massive results. The problem that you have is not getting people results or the problem that you have is being able to deliver your service effectively. That other stuff is just like not a current problem. I like to focus on the problems that I have versus, I don't know, someone could come to you and say, how do I work with 50 clients? And they only have five. It's like, that's not your problem right now. Right now, your problem is how do I get these five people results? And then when you get to 50, you'll have more answers to those problems. It's just not a problem that you have right now. You should be not trying to solve the problem of how do I deal with 50 clients when you don't have 50 clients. You should break your business and go, holy crap, I've got 50 clients. I'm going to I'm gonna use Google and up to a thousand. Um, I love that. That's amazing. I'm going to just solve that problem. And then I'm going to build the software to get to the next thing. Rather than going, well, I'm going to need a software. And it's like, well, that's going to cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars and you've got 10 clients. You know what I mean? People think about it the wrong way. I think some of it is self-sabotage. We try and solve these problems that we know aren't really going to give us the result we want because then that can be the obstacle that we can say, well, we couldn't do it. It was too complex. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, because you made it too complex. It's actually very simple because a lot of people don't like the fact that it is actually simple to build a massively successful business. It's not easy, but it's simple. Get results and keep getting results. And then every time you've got a capacity issue, solve that problem that's present rather than overcomplicating it and making it super complex. There's no doubt that it's hard work and you've got to put in the effort, but it's relatively straightforward. If you're getting amazing results for people, that is the fundamental thing. And then it's get your message out to get more of those people who love your service and it grows. And that's how you get 600 clients in six months. Really? um, That is a metaphor for life. You can just Mm. talk yourself out of doing lots of things. Like I don't want to tell that person how I, my friend, how what they did left me feeling because I'm afraid that they're going to be mad at me. But that's not the problem that you currently have. You can tell them how you feel. And then if they get mad at you, then you have that problem and you can deal with solving that then. But Mm. stop taking action in all different types of areas of life. I don't want to try and lose weight because I'm afraid that it's going to affect my social life. It's like, well, it hasn't yet affected your social life. So first, let's get to the problem and then you'll have more resources to try and figure it out. Yeah, I love that number of clients have said to me things like, well, I don't want to lift weights or go to the gym because I don't want to build a whole lot of muscle and it's going to look ugly. I'm like, 
just go to the gym. Like <laughs> you're not going, that's not going to happen. And even if it does, then you, then sure. But you're probably in a different mindset. If you're at that point of getting ripped that you now have to question whether or not you like how you look, because by that time you probably are going to like it. I haven't met a single person that's like, Oh no, I'm just too ripped. <laughs> I have a lot of lady lady clients and they were always worried about um I don't want to lift weights because I don't want to build lots of muscle I said it's probably not going to happen like that there's a lot of work that goes into getting there uh, let's just get you exercising because you're going to feel amazing and you're going to get strong but it's an example of how we put these limitations in, in front of us that sometimes are just obviously ridiculous but the worst is the ones that feel plausible like they're ridiculous when you look back but when you're in it, it feels real. Like legitimately, I need to worry about what am I going to do when I've got a thousand clients and I've got to think about this, James, because if I don't think about that, then when I have a thousand clients, it's going to be a problem. I'm like, well, sure, but this is going to stop you even just getting off the ground right now. So yeah, you're never going to have that problem because you're never going to get there because you're focusing on the wrong things. And that's where most of us get stuck and why we don't have the success that we could have because we worry about competition. We worry about what everyone else is doing. We worry about solving problems that don't matter. And the example you said before, like, if you take more of the pie and my piece gets bigger, we'll use the example of CrossFit. If you're having a CrossFit gym or any gym, right? And you think there's too many gyms already around, it's not a good time. As an example, if there were no CrossFit gyms and no one was doing CrossFit, then no one would come to your gym because they wouldn't know that it existed. So the fact that there are a lot of people doing things is an indicator that there's a good opportunity for you to have success. Getting into a niche where no one's doing it is not a good idea unless you really know what you're doing because you're probably solving problems that no one cares about because chances are if there's a if there's like inventing the computer right solving the problem of having people use a computer in the first place was potentially a gamble now that there are computers being number 2 is a good opportunity being number 3 being number 4 cuz everyone wants them so i think that especially in healthcare we we look at things wrong we think oh there's too many chiropractors in my town I think of that as, an, as a good thing because clearly people are using it. And if they don't like that person, you've got an opportunity for them to come to you because you offer a different angle of that service because they're clearly looking for the thing versus worrying about competition so much. I don't look at what my competitors are doing because it's not a good indicator of what I should be doing necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, I need to focus yeah. on my lane. There are going to be people that don't like your competitors and because they still like CrossFit, but they don't like that gym, they're going to look for a different CrossFit gym. They're going to come to your CrossFit gym. I love all of that. And it is a gamble being the first, but everybody loves and you glamorize being the first, the Mm. first to build the computer or the first, you know, like the first Uber, but Lyft is crushing it. Like nobody at Lyft, like we're not doing a good job, you know, or Coke versus Pepsi. Like they're, they're all doing a great job um, and they're mega successful and there's nothing wrong with being next or second or third the first is rare and risky so Mm. like striving to be that first one to capture the idea that nobody has thought of yet could happen but i wouldn't like aim for it it's not a strategy you know what i mean like even being number two number three number ten like you don't have to be in the top ten it depends on what scale you're wanting to go to right are you trying to knock coca-cola off and be Pepsi, but make it better? Or are you okay with making a cola drink and doing pretty well for yourself with this boutique little cola drink? You know what I mean? Like understanding that it's okay to not be the biggest and therefore I don't have to pick 
the market where I could be the biggest. That's where people get it wrong too, I think, is they try and be the Coca-Cola as an example in the soft drink industry. And so then they try and find another industry that they can do that in. The number of people who say, I'm going to be the next Uber. And it's like, you're probably not. So how about you just focus on solving problems that matter to some people and maybe grow there? Like, have you seen the story of Airbnb? They weren't thinking to themselves, we're going to take over and be this and that. They were just some dudes. That's the main point is like the people that do end up being the Ubers. And like, I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg wasn't like, Facebook's going to be what it is now. He's like, oh, I just want to like my college friends to be able to find each other online, like, or whatever it was Mm -hmm. at the beginning. I don't think there's many people that are creating those businesses that from the beginning are thinking, I'm going to be the biggest and the best in my space. They're just thinking, oh, there's this clear problem that I know people want to get solved, or I'm super passionate and curious about, and I'm just going to go for it. Not thinking about, I'm going to have an IPO one day. I think it's also because the mindset of I'm going to be the biggest and the best when you don't even have anything yet is also going to limit you because you don't have a purpose behind it. Like Mark Zuckerberg has a purpose behind what he does with Facebook. Have you ever seen him in interviews and things? He cares about the product development side, the consumer. He's not looking at how I make as much money as possible and be the biggest thing because like at some point money doesn't matter. And if you're only going after that, you're never being fulfilled. It's very hard to get up in the morning for something you're not fulfilled by. And Mm -hmm. Just success for the sake of success without this emotional fulfillment as being part of the success will drain you and you won't get the results you're looking for. And so when people tell me I'm going to make a million dollars and I've been through that myself, it's like, I know that you're not going to because when I shifted away from I'm going to do this thing here that didn't really fulfill me to the thing that does fulfill me is when the success happened because it allowed me to get up at 4am with a brand new baby while still being a doctor in a practice and managing five staff because I would just flipping wanted to do it. You know what I mean? Not in terms of this vanity metric that didn't actually matter to me long-term. It allows you to get through the pain. A hundred percent. And maybe the money won't come, but at least you'll love your life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just, the last thing I want to add is your story is, is incredible because you are in a massively competitive market. Weight loss, nutrition, that kind of thing is one of the top and especially in the health space. And you're still able to dominate because you're caring about the customer the results and the product that you have, not just how do I build a business and be competitive and beat these people. Your competitive edge is is your ability to deliver results and to serve those people. And I think more of us need to look at what we're doing in our practices, no matter how big or small, but looking at the relationship we're building with our customers, the results we're getting them, because that is the business. Without that, uh, everything else falls down. And so that needs to be solid. And then it's like, okay, so how do I then bring more people into this to share in the energy exchange, the experience, the love, the results we're getting. Cause I want more people to be a part of that rather than how do I get a whole lot of customers and make a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, I think what you're doing is amazing. So last question, where can people connect with you online? How can they get into your world and see more about what you're doing and, and maybe work with you? Our work is at working against gravity on all of the social medias uh, workingagainstgravity.com. You can get more information on our business program, uh, how to become a nutrition coach yourself, or just get some support in your nutrition and fitness. And then I am online. It's mostly pictures of my baby and talking about motherhood. And right now I'm writing about how to divide responsibilities between husband and wife with your baby. It's a D Casu, and uh, I'm sure the title of this podcast will have the spelling of my name. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much. I love talking with you. You have a lovely rest of your day. Thanks. 
Thank you for listening to the show. If you like the episode, please hit subscribe and leave us a review. I'd really appreciate it as it helps us get our episodes out to more people just like you who want to know how to increase their revenue, impact more people and build businesses that work for the lifestyle they want. Now, I know your time is valuable and I know that you are here to learn the secrets to success in your health business. So I have something special for you just for checking out the episode. Now, if you're a health professional, coach or trainer in business, and you're serious about growing a profitable, impactful business, then pay attention because as a listener of the show, I want you to win. And so I've created a host of resources available exclusively for listeners of the show. So if you're tired of trying to figure out this game of business, marketing and sales all on your own, and you're ready to just implement what's already proven to work rather than reinventing the wheel, I want you right now to go and check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. That's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. And there you'll find over $5,000 worth of trainings, resources, and coaching available only for listeners of the show. Again, that's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. There I'll give you resources on everything from how to acquire 10 times more of your ideal clients using social media and paid ads, even referrals, how to increase your client conversion into packages at an 80 to 90% conversion rate like me, how to retain your clients for longer, getting them better results and making them happier, how to increase your prices and charge a premium to work with you and how you can build a six, multi-six, even seven-figure practice just like I did but with a tenth of the time and a tenth of the effort. What I want you to realize is that everything I teach comes from exactly what I did to have success and still have success in my own health business and I want to share that with you so you can have success too. So go check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider right now and let me help you win big in your health business. Also remember to subscribe for two episodes every week full of the secrets to have success in your health business as well as leave us a review so we know what you thought of the show. And I'll see you on the next episode.